you are in for a great word this morning. Pastor Alex preached the 9 a.m. service and is one of the best messages I ever heard him preach. And it is so the word of the Lord for this hour. So just give him a hand this morning as he brings the word. Praise God. Good morning, everybody. You all doing good? Good. It's a good day. Praise the Lord. So thankful to be in the house of the Lord today. Would you stand with us today? We're going to get, if you're able, we're going to get into the word, Exodus 17. I love the sun shining. I don't know what's going on with the temperature, man, but it causes me to do some reflexes, you know. I might wake up in the middle of the night screaming, fish on! I have problems, you can pray for me. All right, Exodus 17. We're going to start with verse 8 and go on all the way down on to 16. Let's read. Now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. So they took a stone and put it under him and sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Verse 13. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his, pe- and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar and called its name, the Lord is my banner. For he said, because the Lord has sworn... The Lord will have wrath, uh, have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. It is a lamp unto our feet and a light upon our path. We thank you today, God, just for your word, just to breathe life into us today. Come on, pray that God would speak to you today. Lord, speak to us. We don't want to come and fulfill a religious obligation just to come some, do some religious duty and to just hear another word and get through the service. Lord, we want you to speak to us. God, every person here, I just speak to hearts to come alive today and to receive something from you. I pray, God, that you would come and speak to people today. Have your way in this place in the name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as a church, I believe we're in a unique season. You know, we see physical growth here. The church is expanding. The kingdom of God is moving forward. And we're excited about that. And with different seasons come different challenges, and and we need to be mindful of where we're at. I believe this is going to be the greatest year that we've had. I believe that God is doing something really great among us, and that um, we just need to hear from the Lord. We need to be um, on watch. We need to be on guard and know what God is speaking to us for every season and every moment that we're in. And I have a word for you today. I believe that God has, has, uh, you know, the other day can't even remember how long ago it was, but God spoke to me in early morning prayer and said, you're going to preach on this and began to unpack it to me, what was going to be preached. 
And, um, and I just begin to get ministered to. So if it's just me getting ministered to this morning on the second service, well, praise the Lord. But I, I believe that God wants to speak something specific to you today. And I have three major things that I pull out of this text that I want to hit on. And the first is, here found, is that the enemy, sorry, the first thing is to tighten your defenses. If you would take us, Brother Media, to Deuteronomy 25 and verse 17. Thanks, Jeff. This is, the, this is a different uh, look at what we just read, but this is basically the, um, the essence of what took, took place in verse 8. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt? They had this great victory where the, the Egyptians were swallowed up in the sea. Next verse. How we met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at your rear, when you were tired and weary, and he did not fear God. Now, this... This shows us exactly what happened when they were coming. Uh, the children of Israel, can you imagine a million people marching towards in a direction? Can you imagine that many people? I mean, most of the, most of the, uh, the younger people and the warriors were out front. And they, you know, the, the people that were in the back were maybe those who were older and slower and those that had the baggage. And, and this is the people that Amalek decided to... To hit, it was like a weak point in Israel's defense, and so Amalek decided to hit there. And so, one, the first thing I want to talk about today is strengthening our defenses, because the enemy wants to come in and he wants to penetrate. Every you may be strong in the Lord today, but he is looking for some way to get in. He is looking for some way to penetrate your defenses. The first thing we need to do is uh, we need to recognize that the enemy is trying to hit us in our weakest points. He is trying to find a way in. There's a reason why the Bible talks about the devil being a roaring lion, seeking, prowling around, seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for your weak point. He is looking for the place to nail you, to hit you where it's going to hurt. He's looking for the place where he can just sneak in. He's crafty. He's trying his best to just weave his way in. And we need to make sure that we, we take care of ourselves and tighten our defenses. The enemy hit them in their weakness. He attacked them from, from the back. You know, ways that I've seen the enemy work in my life and try and, try and break my defenses, um, it's quite unusual. But one of the ways is that he'll attack people that are closest to me. There will be times where I'm on fire for the Lord and I'm serving God with my hair on fire and everything, I, I got the peace, I got the joy, I got, I got breakthrough happening and the enemy will try and come in because he knows he can't come at me. He's going to hit someone that's near and dear to me to try and throw me off course. Many times the enemy won't even come at you. He'll nail your spouse or he'll nail your children or he'll nail, nail your sibling. He'll begin to work in their life and cause you to get your eyes off the price. He's crafty. But we're aware. We know what's going on. The second way that I've seen in my life, um, well, is that the devil tries to, and the, and the enemy attacks me at specific times. And the first time that he, well, he normally attacks me when the pressure is on. In a pressured season. The enemy will come in 
when you're, when you're putting your hand to the plow and you're going after God and you're seeing breakthrough on the left and the right, and it may be in a, it may be in a moment where the stress is high, the intensity is high, and you just, you're just going for it. You know what you got to do. Maybe it's your business and you're moving that thing forward, and it's a time of pressure. But he sees that moment, and something unusual he will cause to go in the, way, in the way of you to get you distracted. I remember a story Pastor Josh had told me years ago when we were preparing for a youth conference. It was two days before the youth conference, and Pastor Josh, just like he did every day after work, he went home, pulled into his apartment complex, and there was homes, there was apartments in front of his parking spot. And just so happened that the day, two days before he's got to go and lead everybody in a life-changing event... <laughs> the lady that owned the apartment right in front of his parking spot just decided to leave her curtains open while she began to change. I'll tell you, the enemy knows where you're, you're in pressure. He knows when you are working hard for the Lord, and he will try and come every way he can to nail you. Maybe you're, maybe you're working and you're just getting exhausted. He'll hit you when you're tired. He'll hit you when you don't think he's... That, that he doesn't think that you're going to be able to handle it. The second timing that he normally hits people, and certainly I've seen him try to work in my life, is right after a victory. Right after a victory. You notice that the children of Israel just came out of Egypt, just had one of the greatest victories in hundreds of years. They're walking out, and now they're getting picked off by a bunch of people just nailing them in their weakness. I, I don't believe in coincidences. I, I believe that there is, there is um, evidence of what is happening in the spiritual realm. I believe that the enemy sees those moments of victory. And it's almost like we go through the victory and we go, yes, we got the victory. And then we go, whew, now I can relax and sit on my couch with a tub of ice cream. Praise the Lord. Not you, that's just me. Okay, praise the Lord. No, but he sees those moments just like the children of Israel coming out of this great breakthrough, and he wants to, he wants to come after you. You know, I, I don't think it's an accident that right after our prophetic conference, tons of families got attacked and got sick. That tons of people that got breakthrough in one moment are now finding, and, and finding themselves in one of the greatest warfares of their life. It, it, it is no coincidence to me. The enemy sees a victory in people's lives where destiny and purpose is released. Dreams and visions have new vibrancy. And the enemy sees that and he wants you not to enjoy what God has done inside of you. And he will come even in the midst of a victory and try and throw you off course. Sometime, and you've heard this before, sometimes the greatest defense is a good offense. And that's exactly what you see here in this passage, that Moses, man, he didn't procrastinate. He got to it. Lord, help us not to be procrastinators. You know, if you don't deal with the enemy working in your life, he will rule your life. He will rule your life. But they, they got after it. This seems to be the plan for the Lord, getting right after it. And they went to it. They went toward. This is the first time we hear of Josh, Joshua in the Old Testament. Going, going in a, in a basically, a, maybe not a new job, but something where he's really having to practice now what he's been assigned to. Moses said, hey, Joshua, get some guys. Let's get a little bit of training, and let's go out there, and let's hit these guys. It's, 
it's not the, it's not the, the sitting back and hoping things are going to be okay and hoping things turn out that gets the job done in this time. No. It was, the, it was the going against the enemy and fighting them head on to see the victory. You know, there is a, a passage in the Old Testament about David. And David, he was a man of war, a man of worship. But there was a moment in time where he decided to send his, his warriors out to fight. And in that moment, he decided to stay back and just hang out on his front porch. Let me tell you, there's a time to rest and be rejuvenated and be refreshed and, and be there. But there's also a time to war. And David was sitting on his front patio when he should have been out warring. And because he was sitting on his patio when he should have been fighting for that which he knew was right, there came Bathsheba. There are times where we should be praying, we should be interceding, we should be worshiping, we should be giving, but we don't because we believe it is a season of not doing that or whatever you think it is. And because of that, we allow ourselves to rest in a moment that we should be warring. God has great victory for us. We have to recognize the season that God has for us. Obviously, prayer is a season that we're always in. Obviously, worship is a season that we're always in. But David found himself, instead of warring when he should have warring, he was relaxing and letting other people do what needs it. You know what? No one should be praying more for your family than you are. No one should be interceding for your family more than you are. Don't be waiting for someone else to war for you when you should be warring. Don't be sitting back and relaxing and just thinking everything is just going to fall into place when you just hang out. No. Do not be a David because that's when the Bathshebas will sneak in. We have to be mindful. The enemy is out to kill, still, and destroy. The second main thing I see in this passage in Exodus 17 is that we have to be people in prayer. We have to be in prayer. Moses, in this passage, verse 11, verse 12, he goes up with Aaron and Hur and he lifts his hands... He lifts his hands before the Lord. I don't believe it was just about the rod. I believe that he was in intercession. I believe that he was covering the battle in prayer. Yes, it was maybe a physical thing where the warriors could look up and see their leader supporting them with the rod of God raised up. But I believe that Moses, more than just that, Moses was interceding on behalf of them. And you notice that when he lifted his hands, they would win the battle. And when he left his hands down, they would begin to lose. Moses was a person of prayer. You even see that before this time frame, and you see it afterwards. Every time the children of Israel would complain, he would go to God and say, God, I want to kill these people. What do I do? What do I do? He was a man that sought God. He was a man that prayed, that had communion with God. We have to be people of prayer. There is opposition in being a person of prayer. The world thinks that prayer is a waste of time. There is a lie out there that if you don't immediately see results, then it must not be productive to pray. That if I don't see the breakthrough now, it must mean that God doesn't want to give it to me. That's a lie. I, I don't know about you, I'm not super good in the garden. I don't have a green thumb, I have a salmon thumb. Praise the Lord. 
I don't have a green thumb, but I, I do know this. If I was to throw seed or to plant something and I just watered it once, I, I don't think I could expect that thing to grow. The same thing's with your prayer. You pray for it once and just think, you know what? God can answer it just in that one prayer. But many times, as I've seen, that as I just soak that seed in prayer, God brings a breakthrough. You know, there is a, there's, a, there's a plant, or I think it's actually a, a grass, believe it or not. Anybody ever heard of bamboo? There's a lot of bamboo in Hawaii, and I, I love seeing bamboo. It's just a beautiful thing, walking through bamboo forests and things. But bamboo, um, if you were to plant bamboo, you wouldn't see any result until five years. It doesn't even break ground. But you know, the moment it breaks ground in the fifth year, it shoots all the way to its full growth spurt within a year. I believe that your prayers many times are just like that. Don't give up. Keep on watering that prayer because in due season, you will reap a harvest. Faint not. I believe that prayer, sometimes we don't understand. Why don't I get the breakthrough now? It's because God has something in store. God has something. Man, I'm so thankful he's smarter than me. Praise the Lord. Prayer is very clear in Scripture. The Apostle Paul prayed night and day continually. Another thing that we have to deal with in opposition to being a person of prayer is that we have to deal with our flesh. Oh, dang, girl. We got to deal with our flesh. But you know why? Because our, our flesh doesn't want to do the things of God. Our flesh wants to lust. Our flesh wants to be lazy. Our flesh wants to stay on the front porch instead of going out to war. Our flesh will make every excuse in the book not to do things of God. He will do everything. It's like early morning prayer. I don't know how it is for you. Praise God. I know the nourishment that I get in prayer. I know the importance I get in prayer. But every single morning, now every single morning is an exaggeration. Forgive me. Quite frequently, <laughs> quite frequently, I don't know how it is for you, maybe you just spring out of bed and you're like, I'm ready to go to prayer in the morning. You know, God bless you, but me, it's like, oh God, help me, Jesus. And you know how it is, you know, you make every excuse in the book not to go do the thing that you know you need to do, like prayer. Like, I, I don't know how, you know, you just, like, wake up in the morning, oh, oh, my throat's a little scratchy, I'm probably getting sick, you know, that's not, that's not your throat being scratchy, you're not getting sick, what happened was, last night, you was watching a TV show, and you ate that whole carton of peanut butter and chocolate ice cream, and that's peanut butter stuck in your throat, get up for prayer, but you gotta tell your flesh, flesh, shut the flesh up, man, just shut up. Because you know it doesn't want anything, it doesn't want to have anything to do, it, it wants to please itself. My flesh is strong, especially for that chocolate peanut butter ice cream that's in my freezer at home. Hallelujah. Good thing it's not January and we're all fasting. Romans 7, 19, it says, For the good that I will to do, I do not do. But the evil I will not to do, that I end up doing. This is the Apostle Paul going, Man, 
The things I want to do, I can't do because my flesh just gets in the way. And the things that I don't want to do, I end up doing. The flesh is constantly at war with the spirit. We have to overcome. We got to be filled up with the Holy Ghost. I mean, it just feels like I just get drained out while I sleep at night. And I wake up and I'm like, flesh is full, spirit not so much. Jesus help me. That's just me though, right? Your flesh is not on the same page as the spirit. You know, in the, in the, the, the Middle Ages, there were people... They were called hermits, and what they would do is they would go into caves, and they would physically harm their flesh to make their flesh um, be submissive. Um, that's not in the Bible. Um, that's not a godly principle that you're supposed to follow. Um, so you can let that one go, all right? You can throw away the chains and stuff. The Bible doesn't suggest that. In Galatians, it says, if we live in the Spirit, we will not yield to the lust of the flesh. We have to be empowered by the spirit whereby our flesh becomes less and less. I love patterns that we can get in, set ourselves in a consistent pattern whereby we can just basically, we're stuck in, we're not stuck, but we're in this place where we, we're constantly moving in the same direction, this pattern that we've created, a spiritual pattern to where the flesh cannot come in and take over. I love patterns, but they're very hard to create, aren't they? Jesus, help us. If you yield to the flesh, um, I've noticed it gets harder and harder to overcome. But if you, if you resist the flesh, it just gets easier. It just gets easier. The third thing I see in the, in, as an as a issue in prayer is the devil. The devil will create situations to keep you from praying. And the reason he tries to do that is because if he knows he can hinder your prayer life, he knows that he can basically, well, he can knock out your, your communion with God. He can knock out everything that you're, you know, your, your relationship in that, in that way. He knows. He knows that prayer is one of the barrels of the double barrel shotgun. The other barrel is witnessing. If as a believer, as a church, we could begin to just pray and witness, man, we'd have revival. And the enemy knows that. If I can keep God's people from praying, keep their flesh nice and strong, then I can keep them from their breakthrough. You know, the hardest thing, anybody notice that sometimes it's just harder to do spiritual things? You know, it's easy to do, you know, physical, regular, everyday thing, but the moment you try and do a spiritual thing, like sit down to pray or have a time of worship, it just seems like things are difficult. I don't know if you notice, I think it's verse 12. Can you pull up verse 12 of Exodus 17? In verse 12, it talks about Moses. We can do it. Praise the Lord. In the beginning part there, what does it say? It says, but Moses' hands became heavy. Moses is getting up there to do a spiritual thing. He's getting up there to pray. He's about to do the spiritual thing, to pray, to hold the rod of God before the people of Israel as they fight. He's doing the spiritual things, and his hands become heavy. You know what I didn't notice in this passage? Where, it saw, where you see Joshua doing the physical thing, and his hands did not get tired, did not get heavy. You ever wonder why your hands get heavy, so to speak, when praying, praying time comes, or when, when your phone goes off? 
when you sit down to pray and have a moment with God or you think, can only think about all the things you got to do. It's because it is, seems harder to do spiritual things and the flesh just has to die. You don't let the enemy have, have, give you distraction when you're trying to commune with God. I believe that we're coming into the greatest season where people's personal relationships are beginning to bloom, beginning to flourish, beginning to come to a new place in God where things are fresh, things are vibrant, things are inspirational. Moses' hands became heavy. Some people say that um, prayer is not about, um, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. And, um, you know, I would agree with that to a certain extent. However, praying is much of communion with God. It is much of that, much of communion with God is praying. And, and not just, not just a in and out, say my prayers and be done. No, it's, it's speaking to God, but also letting God speak to you. Let God minister to you. Let God show you what's down the way. Reveal the season to you of what is, what's taking place around you. And if we, if we just are in such a rush, we lose that. And, and truthfully, if you're just about a list, you're going to lose your vibrancy. But if you're about a relationship, then you keep that vibrancy. Praise the Lord. Dr. Morocco uh, writes in every one of his Bibles, and it really came down from his, came down from his father, Dan Morocco. Um, he writes in every one of his Bibles, if a minister doesn't pray two hours a day, he isn't worth a dime. I, I, I desire to pray two hours a day. That's something that he's encouraged us to do. You know, we hit the ball sometimes, sometimes we don't. Um, you know, if you're at five minutes of prayer, Praise the Lord for those five minutes. Shoot for ten. If you're at two hours, shoot for two and a half. Wherever you're at, shoot for more. Just because it's communion with God. It's relationship with God. I don't know about you, but the more that I taste who God is, the more I want him. You know, he, Dr. Morocco tells a story. You know, he prays two hours a day. And he tells the story of how he goes to Dr. Cho's church in, uh, not North Korea, South Korea. In South Korea, it's one of the largest churches in, in the world, if not the largest, over a million people. And he tells the story of going there, and his driver who picks him up from the airport drops him off at the hotel and then picks him up from the hotel and is taking him to the meeting. And uh, Dr. Morocco is going to go and share. He's going to go and minister there. And uh, the driver turns around and he goes, so, Dr. Morocco, how much do you pray a day? And uh, Dr. Morocco is pretty pretty stoked because, uh, you know, his dad taught him two hours a day. So he's like, okay, I, I pray two hours a day. And he's like feeling good about himself. And the driver just drives for a little while. It's kind of quiet. And then all of a sudden he turns around and he goes, yeah, you can't be on Dr. Cho's staff unless you pray three hours a day. <laughs> Dr. Morocco recounts feeling this small. And, um, you know, the, they understand they're in Korea and they believe this, that prayer breaks the strongholds of the enemy and opens areas, opens cities, opens neighborhoods. And that's why they pray so much. God help us be people of prayer. Well, the third thing in this passage, Exodus 17, that I see the, the major point here is that we need to support our authority. In verse 12, Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. I love this. 
I love this application of these men of God holding up their anointed leader's hands in prayer. I love it. I just absolutely, I'm so thankful for our leadership around here. I'm so thankful, you know, I'm so thankful for, for Dr. Morocco and Pastor Colleen. I, I would not be where I am if it was not for them. I would not be standing here today if it wasn't for our senior pastors. I remember one day I was hungover, smelling like alcohol, sitting in the back row of the church, and Pastor Colleen, I remember this because I didn't want her to do it, she came and hugged me. And you know, that's, it's the representation of who those people are. Doesn't matter what you look like, what you smell like, where you came from, they love you. I, I so appreciate our senior pastors. And I, I appreciate the Brackens as well. I never knew the joy of serving in ministry till I came here. There's so much they have taught me. And we honor you today, Pastor Karen and Pastor Daniel as well. We're so thankful. We're so thankful. I'm thankful for the other staff around here. You know, you hear everybody say it. You know, the people that came for the prophetic conference, Pastor Josh was my youth pastor. Pastor Gannon would have been my youth pastor, except my parents found out he was running the youth ministry and was still a little learning ministry. You know, remember he tells you, he's like, they finally let, trusted me with people instead of just the janitor, uh, janitor working. Yeah, I was in children's ministry, supposed to go to junior high, and my parents are like, no, you're staying one more year in, <laughs> in children's ministry because Pastor Gannon's leading it. Praise the Lord. He wasn't a pastor at the time. I told him he laughed so hard. My parents didn't know him very well. If they did, he they would have let me go. But we're family around here. These guys are my family. Pastor, pastor Vince, man, I love that guy. Minister Ava, I love you guys. You guys are awesome. I just love you guys. The, the authority, the, the leadership around here, it is, it is genuine. It is so real and tangible. And it's, you know, we, we don't feel that we're at a place where it's, you know, we're the leadership and you guys need to just, no. No, you guys are our friends. You're, 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 you're people that we share life with. We are, we are seeing the kingdom of God advance together. And the beauty of this is... Um, God honors us when we honor others. And in this passage, it speaks of, of supporting our authority. I love how they lift his hands. Um, but as we serve together, as we even come underneath our leadership and we serve, the anointing that rests upon them flows to us. As we lift up the Brackens, we lift up Dr. Morocco, we, we support them in prayer, we, we serve them. As we do that, God honors us, but he also places the same anointing that rests upon them flows down to us. We share in that. God's empowerment, the anointing, God's empowerment comes to us as we serve our leadership. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. But you know, the enemy doesn't want that. He doesn't want unity. He doesn't want people underneath leadership to serve. He doesn't want you to be okay with your boss. He wants you to constantly have conflict with your employer. He wants you to constantly have conflict with your small group leader or your pastor or for children in here, for your parents or your teachers to always have an issue. His desire is for there to be undermining happening everywhere. But there's a passage of scripture that I want to I share. It's found in Numbers chapter 12 and verse 1. I want to read this together. Because this talks about undermining, talks about 
how we as people underneath our anointed leadership should respond and should be, or rather, in this passage, how we shouldn't be. Then Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses, meaning they weren't talking good stuff. They spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. He had married an Ethiopian woman. They weren't happy about that. So they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? I mean, doesn't God speak through us too? I mean, come on, who does Moses think he is? Is, he the, is Pastor Daniel the only one that can hear from God? God speaks to me too. Maybe so. Praise the Lord. Has he not spoken through us also and the Lord heard it? Yikes. Somebody say yikes. Now the man, Moses, was very humble, more than all men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron, and Miriam, come out, you three, to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three of them came out. It's starting to get heated up here. Then the Lord came down in the pillar of cloud and stood at the door of the tabernacle and called Aaron and Miriam. And they both went forward. Somebody's in trouble. <laughs> then he said, hear now my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. Meaning that God was speaking to prophets there. Not so with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I speak with him face to face as if to say, yes, I speak to my prophets, but the anointed leader, I meet with him face to face. Amazing. Even plainly and not in dark sayings, and he sees the form of the Lord. Why then were you not afraid to speak against my servant Moses? So the anger of the Lord was aroused against them, and he departed. Verse 10. And when the cloud departed from above the tabernacle, suddenly Miriam became leprous, as white as snow. Then Aaron turned toward Miriam, and there she was, a leper. God wants unity. The devil wants undermining. These were people that were not just, they were not just anybody. These people were even family. And they were speaking it just goes to show that no matter how close someone is to you, the enemy will try and move upon them in their weak moment to try and get them off course and to get you off course. The undermining that takes place here is, number one, disappointment. Rather, the cause of the undermining was disappointment. You see that they were disappointed that Moses had married the Ethiopian. They figured that somehow... That shouldn't have happened, and that he should have married one of their own. They were disappointed. You know, the truth is, is that invariably, people disappoint us. And the truth is, is that you'll disappoint someone yourself. You can't please everyone all the time. We know that. These pastors above us as leadership are not invincible. You know that. They will make mistakes. They will. It's called life. Human nature. They make mistakes. But their goal is always to please the Lord. And that's what I love about our leadership. The goal is not to get our names in lights, to make, make the name King's Chapel the greatest thing that everybody's heard about. No, it's to make God's name great. 
That's what I love about our leadership. That's what I love about this church. We are not interested in getting a pat on the back. We're interested in lifting up the name of Jesus. We have to be careful not to undermine our leaders, even when we're disappointed. The second thing you see here is that pride crept in. Has the Lord only spoken through Moses? Does God only speak to Moses? No. He speaks to me too. So what, how come they can't take my advice for once? Don't tell my wife I did that. Invariably, when you see undermining an anointed leader in ministry, it stems from those two things. It stems from disappointment and pride. When you see someone undermining, it's a great chance that they've been disappointed or they're filled with pride. Now, I'm not talking about someone who's morally failed. Moses didn't morally fail, yet they were still undermining him. Notice the judgment of God that came upon Miriam. Quite severe. She was struck with leprosy and even thrown out of the camp. Even though Moses interceded, God, don't do that. God still had her removed from the camp. You have to be extremely careful about your attitude of leadership. Those who are in leadership over you. Be careful how you talk about your employer. Be careful how you talk about your small group leader, your pastor. Those who are over you. Your parents. As the case may be. Somebody say, God help me. We need the Lord's help. Somebody take a deep breath. (sighs) Let it out. Praise the Lord. God is speaking to us today. Hallelujah. The first thing that God is speaking to us today is that we need to do an examination. We need to be aware of the season that we are in. Don't be the David that is on the, the palace patio when you should be out to war. Let me ask you this. If you don't pray for your family, who is? If you're not going to war for the breakthroughs in your family, who is? Second thing is we need to re-energize our prayer life. Don't let the flesh win. You're, You're probably the best person to find out where you're giving in. You know the areas that the enemy has been creeping in. You know the areas where, where Satan or, or your flesh has just become so strong. And you've gotten yourself into a pattern that is not godly. Or gotten yourself into a place where you're creeping towards the edge. Get away from the edge. Kill the flesh. Be filled with the Spirit of God. We need to pray, re-energize our prayer life. The third thing is we need to support our leadership. We need to lift their hands, ladies and gentlemen. We need to lift their hands. We must pray for them. We must pray for them. Don't you know the enemy would just like to take out the Brackens? He would. How are you doing lifting your leader's hands? How are you doing lifting your employer's hands? How are you doing serving your employer? How are, yes, serving your employer? Yes. How are you doing lifting your leadership's hands, the authority that is over you? 
We need to do everything that is necessary to live in peace and unity. And that, that means with our employers. That means with the people we live in our homes. That means our family. Do everything we can to live at peace with them. The fourth thing I see is we need to rejoice in what God has done. And found in verse 14 and 15 of Exodus 17, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses, this is good. And Moses built an altar and called its name, The Lord is my banner. Moses knew who the victory really came from. Moses really knew where the breakthrough came from. And he was sure, time and time again, to give God glory. I am so mindful that I am where I am, not because of my own doing. Yes, it took my own part, but I'm here by the grace of God. And I go forward by the grace of God. And every victory in the past and every victory in the future, the glory belongs to Him. You may be struggling with discouragement today. You may be struggling with discouragement saying, nothing goes right in my life. How about you take a look in the, in, the, in, the, in the rearview mirror? What has God done for you in the past? Yes, this moment may be difficult. See, we see this one little moment, but God sees beginning to end. He knows what we need. Look in the rearview mirror and remember what God has done. They wrote it down. They wrote it down so that their children and their children's children could see what God had done for them. Do your children hear the victories come out of your mouth? Do you recall the victories that God gave you in the past? I suggest you write them down. So when your children grow up, they can read all the miracles God did for you. God is a good God. We must rejoice in Him. Whether it's a time of trial, a time of war, a time of battling, or a time of refreshing, a time where we're soaking in, a time, whatever it is, Rejoice in the Lord. Don't let your praise be robbed. Don't let your, come on, stand to your feet today. Lift your hands to heaven. Oh, come on, just ask the Lord to help you in these areas. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, you are worthy of everything that has happened. Come on, just thank the Lord for all he's done for you. God, we just thank you. We give you praise today. Oh, you are the sustainer. You're the author and the finisher of our faith. Lord, thank you that the steps of the righteous are ordered by you. Thank you, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you have our best interests at heart. We thank you, God, today. We give you praise. We give you honor. And we give you glory today. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Did you get something from the Lord today? Come on, put your hands together for the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated just for a moment. We have a special announcement that Pastor Daniel is going to announce today if you'd let it roll, Jeff. God bless you. Pastor Daniel Bracken here. And so thankful for all that God's doing here in Casey, Alaska. We are growing, growing, growing. And as a result, we're going to start another service on Saturday night, 6 p.m.
Friday night, 6 p.m. It starts April 2nd and will go through to May 28th. And that's to facilitate all the new families that are coming so you can have room for your children and, uh, of course, room here in the main sanctuary. And so we'll hope that you come and continue to participate in all that's taking place here at Jesus. If God speaks to your heart to come on Saturday, you come and be a part of what's taking place. It'll be very similar to a Sunday morning service. In fact, Saturday night, the Lord's directed me to preach the same message that I'll preach Sunday morning. So it's like a Sunday morning service on a Saturday night. When I grew up as a, as a Catholic, uh, we used to have service Saturday night. Maybe some of you remember that. So Saturday night, April 2nd, 6 p.m., and we're going to try it for about 60 days, up till May 28th. Amen. So we're really excited. God is expanding our church. And um, before I hand the service back over to Pastor Alex, um, you know, maybe the Lord would be call, would have you go to the Saturday night ser service or if you want to help. We're so excited. This is uh, just what we believe is the next step in the expansion of our church. You know, we've uh, had packed seats. Sometimes the parking lot has been hard to find a place to park. And so this is going to be kind of like a little relief valve to facilitate the growth. Amen. And add more family. So it's very exciting. Really excited about it. Come, Pastor Alex, why don't you close it? You know, um, can we pray for that? Can we pray for this? Um, you know, as Pastor Karen shared, there's just an overflow. God's kingdom is being advanced, and not just here in our church. The churches of the valley, they're growing. People are coming to Jesus. It's an amazing thing that we, that we are uh, able to be a part of. So let's pray for this as we take the next step of faith as a church. Father, we just thank you. God, for uh, this moment, God, that we can expand, Lord, that we have another opportunity, Lord, to offer people. We just thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for all the volunteers. God, we pray that you would add more volunteers to facilitate the growth. We give you praise for all that you're going to do in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And before we close our service today, um, we never want to leave church without giving people an opportunity to receive Jesus. It's something that our church believes in. We believe in giving people the opportunity. If you're not right with God and you feel that tugging in your heart, you know that you need to turn yourself over to the Lord and say, God, I want to live for you, that we give you that opportunity. And so today, with every head bowed and every eye closed across this place, for no other reason to have you bow your head and close your eyes but this, that you can have a moment with God. It is about you and the Lord today. If you're not right with the Lord today, would you get right with Him? Maybe you're not living for Him. Maybe you drifted away, did your own thing, but you want to come home to Him again. You want to live for Him for the rest of your life. Maybe you used to serve Him and you drifted away. Maybe you, you've never received Him, but you want to know Jesus as your personal Savior. If that's you on the count of three, I want to, I want to invite you to lift up your hand so I can pray for you. The Bible says that life is like a vapor. It's here one moment and gone the next. We never know what's going to take place. And if you were to die today, would you go to heaven based off your relationship with Jesus? Would you go to heaven? If not, get right with the Lord today. Make a decision for him today. On the count of three, if you want me to pray for you, I just want you to slip your hand up and you can put it right back down. On the count of three, ready? One, two, three. 
three. If that's you, just slip up. I see all those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. They're in the back. God bless you. Anybody else? Praise God. Can we stand to our feet today? So many hands across this place. Maybe you've been serving God for a long time, or maybe you're rededicating your life, or maybe this is the first time you're going to give your heart to Jesus. Repeat after me. I'm going to lead you through a prayer of receiving the Lord, and it's your heart. Mean it with your heart today. Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, please forgive me for everything that I've done. I know your son died on the cross so I could be forgiven. And he rose again so I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. And thank you for hearing my prayer. In Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Would you lift your hands to heaven? Let me pray for you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, I pray, God, that you would touch hearts today. Empower them, Lord, that they would live by the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I pray, oh God, that you would release empowerment, Lord, for the days to come. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would guide them and lead them. I pray strength, new, fresh vibrancy to come. I pray for hearts that are weary, Lord, to be just pumped up again. I pray, Lord, that you would just stir them up today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Can you put your hands together for Jesus? Would you join hands today as we close? Join hands with somebody nearby you. And we're going to pray for each other one last time today. Would you pray that the person next to you would continue to strengthen their defenses against the enemy, that they would be a person of prayer, and that they would continue to lift up their leaders. Amen. Come on, pray for your neighbor today. Lift your voice. Come on, let's pray. God, we thank you today for the word that you have spoken. We pray, oh God, that you would help us to be men and women of faith. Lord, that we declare your word over our life, God, that we will be people who sure up those weak points. We will be people of prayer. We will lift up our leadership. I thank you, God, for those authority figures in our life. We bless them today. We honor them today. And we ask, oh God, that you would have your way in our life. Lord, cause your face to shine upon us. Lord, lift up your countenance towards us. Be, be gracious to us. Keep us this week as we go. Cause us to be the head and not the tail, the lender and not the borrower, above and not beneath, Lord. Blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed at our job, blessed at our home. God, everything we do, may we be generous on every occasion, speaking life and not death. Bless your people today. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you tonight if you're able to make it. Pastor Kirsten will be preaching tonight. God bless you. We'll see you later.